because there's no other place I'd rather be than in his presence. You can't get, it any, you can't, it can't get anything you need except in his presence. Everything else is temporal. Amen. It's good to be in God's house. I want to welcome all of our guests. Can we welcome all of our guests? We're so honored. If you're here for the first time, we would love to meet you, love to pray for you. We are a loving church. We love to hug around here. And all you got to do is say, don't hug me. Because I know for some folks that can be awkward. And we welcome our online audience. Somebody help me. Everybody that's watching online. And I say that because I am super proud and I give all glory to God that so many hundreds are watching from Hawaii all the way to the East Coast. And even some military people around the world that are stationed. And that's why we welcome you. Because sometimes you can't get to the house, but the house will come to you. Amen. And that's why we welcome you. And God's got, whether you're in a hospital or you're at work or driving down the road or sitting in a tent in the middle of Afghanistan, God's with you. And his protection is over you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, before we get into the word, will you turn to two or three people and find somebody and just share God's love? Come on. Don't make it awkward. We're a loving church. Come on. Just begin to share God. Introduce yourself. Tell them your name. Say, what's up? And for those that are watching online, welcome again with us. We're getting ready to get into the word, and I pray that it ministers to you. Many of you have started giving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for giving to the vision of this house where we're your home church wherever you are. I thank God for that because we plan on increasing our reach and touching more and more people. So thank you for being with us today. Stop all that loving. Come on. While you're being seated, can we give it up for our worship ministry that is just outstanding? Come on, are you? Th- you guys are awesome. Pastor Julian, Pastor Shy, Pastor Shannon, Greg, Johnny, thank you guys. Amen. I want to quickly welcome all guests again because I want to introduce a family that's with us today. And that's Tim and Lindsey Cravens that are with us and their son Casey and Miss Maddie. Which y'all, y'all don't have to stand, but would you just wave at everybody? This is an amazing pastoral team, couple, entrepreneurs. They moved from California to Alabama. And now their new language is Roll Tide. By the way, Roll Tide. Are there any Auburn fans? Y'all the luckiest bunch of folk I've ever seen in my life. Some of y'all got a prayer life, I'm telling you right now. Now I love it because um, because this house is diverse. You know, some of you are still crossing over from Auburn, coming over the Jordan into the promised land. I mean, why would you live in Tuscaloosa? No, I'm just teasing. So it was a great day yesterday, and both of our home teams uh, won, and I'm super proud of that. Are you ready for the word? Stand with me one more time. I know you just sat down. I'll give you one more time to stretch as we get into the word. I want you to take your Bibles or your smartphone and turn to John 14. Who is enjoying the Orphan series? Who is, who is be, be honest, who is it It's kind of messing with you a little bit? It, 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 it's meant to. Um... You know, sometimes you got to allow God to open yourself up to the Lord and allow him to fix some things. This series isn't easy uh, ministering it in in a certain way, especially the first two and probably this message before we go somewhere even more with it. Because um, sometimes it leaves the people a little open on the table um, and you leave out and you think about it and you allow God to continue to do what he's doing in your life throughout the week. And, uh, but as I'll explain again in a minute, this series, I believe, is so necessary for the world. And I believe that really every situation that we're walking through, and I'll explain some of that in a minute, in the world is because you're either an orphan or a son. Every relationship from the White House all the way down to your house. 
is either dysfunctional and has an orphan spirit or you've received the spirit of adoption through Jesus Christ. It's tough, it's sad to say sometimes we can be raised by the best parents in the world and still have orphan in us that comes from the original family, the Adams family, Adam and Eve. And even though we've been raised great, and that's why I don't want parents to get offended, I've heard that one family did because one of the sons was like, I have orphan in me. And they're like, no, we were great dads and moms. And let me just first say, as a parent, never make it about you. You can be the best parent in the world and still you could have orphan in you and even your children because you haven't received the full revelation of who you are in Christ. Can I say, if it makes you feel any better, I was raised by the best parents. And yet, as I begin to write even this third message, I begin to realize, even last night at midnight, I begin to realize something about me and an orphan symptom in my life. May God give us a revelation through this series of who we are in Christ. Amen. So check it out on the screen. John 14. I'm jumping right to this very scripture. And I'm going to read a couple versions. But John 14. This is Jesus. He's getting ready to leave. The disciples are getting really anxious because he's leaving. uh, And they're worried. But they don't know that he's actually God is sending his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that everything is not going to just stay here. It's going to go higher. But Jesus makes this statement. And he makes this statement because he experienced it on the cross. When he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus literally felt the orphan spirit on the cross. God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? In that moment of his humanity on the cross. So after it, he knows what's going on. He's addressing this now with his disciples, the church. And he says, I will not leave you as what? I will come to you. I love it in the Living Bible. It says this. Check this out. No, I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans in the storm. I will come to you. I want to read that again. I will not leave you. Let me just make it my length. I will not walk out on you when things get tough. I won't walk out on you the way your dad walked out on your mom. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be that dad that, that gives you Christmas presents and has fun with you on Christmas, but the next day I'm out the door. I'm not the dad that shows up just on your birthday or at Christmas. I'm not the dad that when you're walking through really bad stuff that I say, hey, figure it out, kid, for yourself. He says, I'm going to be with you and I won't leave you in the middle of every storm. Anybody thankful for that? Anybody thankful for that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Come on, ask him to speak to you today. God, speak to even me as I minister this. Speak more to me. Give us a fresh revelation of the Father, of who you are. Our Heavenly Father, we ask it now in Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. You may be seated. We know that there was a shift through Jesus when He came to earth. And He had a couple roles that we're going to talk about even today of what His mandates were when Jesus came from heaven off the throne, became flesh to the earth. But let me say this. Romans 8 verse 19 says, this check it out Romans 8 19 says for the earnest expectation of the creation how many of us were the creation he's the create creator they what eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God pastor Scott what does that mean please check this out because God spoke this so strong to me because I firmly believe no matter what's going on in the world the enemy never wins and that no matter what we're seeing right now In every area of life, there's a lot of fear and anxiety more than ever before. Jesus, our blessed hope. Jesus, our blessed hope. That no matter what is happening right now, and there's a lot of stuff going that's happening. It's hard. Preaching and teaching has had to change in the last five years more than ever before. Because in this room today, there's a lot of emotion. 
There's a lot of situations. But when I can tell you when you've been crucified with Christ, you come to the place where it doesn't matter what the world was, is doing. It, it, what matters is what Christ has done. Look at this scripture. It basically means creation, the world, Tuscaloosa, your neighborhood, where you work, is waiting for the sons of God to be manifested. Now, the sons of God is not a gender thing. It's not talking about males. We are all we us. We are sons of God when you receive and you're born again. Amen. When I read this last week, God said, Scott, you have to understand, you know, the, the church is going revival's coming, revival, revival. And it's true. But he spoke to me and said, what's holding back revival is not the world and it's not me. The world is waiting for the sons of God to be manifest. What does that mean again? The world is waiting on us to realize we're not an orphan. The world, Tuscaloosa, all the folk you get mad at every day at work. Don't get mad at people that are blind. Don't get mad at family members that their mind is not born again, their mind is not renewed in Christ. Principalities are working through their personality to get you distracted. What you have to realize is that Tuscaloosa, wherever you work, your job, your school, your high school, the college, is waiting for you to realize, I am loved, and I'm not an orphan. I am a son of God. I grew up hearing that. I, hear, I grew up hearing Bible stories, and, you know, we are all sons of God. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't get it for many years. Because it sounds so Disney. It sounds so simple. It's too good to be true. You know, this God that, hey, it's God. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Jesus comes into my life. What, what's even better, to be honest, is you come into his. There's a big difference when you shift that mindset. That not Jesus didn't come into my heart. I came into his life. And in him, I move and live and have my being in everything that he is. There must be a mind shift in the body of Christ before we're going to see revival. I appreciate all the tents being set up and all the revival services. But first things first. Somebody say, I am a son of God. For those that are born again, have called upon the name of Jesus and that are born again and saved, you are a son. You may not understand that. And I'll be honest, I don't need a psychologist. I don't need somebody that specializes in behavior to analyze my life. But you can look at believers' lives and see if they know if they're a son or not. You can either see symptoms of sonship or symptoms of orphan in every believer. Come on, help me somebody. Because this orphan spirit, little s by the way, little s, this orphan spirit affects everything, affects all lives, affects many believers. Did you, you even know that the orphan spirit is why we get religious and performance-based? We talk about the lost son in Luke 15 that went out with the pigs and all that and the prostitutes. Can I tell you a worse state is really not the person living up in the world right now, partying and sinning. The worst state to be is to be in the father's house and not know who you are. It's more tormenting to go to church every day, to call yourself a Christian, and to live in the orphanage. Come on. I'm talking to all of us. Revival and miracles will take place when we realize who's in us. When we realize what we're a part of. Come on, amen. I began to think, and there's so much. Tim and I were even talking. He came into town and talking about the symptoms of an orphan spirit and things that I've walked through. Not fully understanding for many years, number one, the love of God and who I was in him. The love of God didn't have much meaning to me for almost goodness, 28 years of my life.
I mean, it was a nice word. God loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Sang it growing up. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible told me so. Can I tell you, it's even deeper than the Bible telling you. When the spirit of God, who is the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is why a tactic of the enemy is to get the Holy Spirit out of the church. Because the Holy Spirit is the agent of love by which you understand you're loved. This is why when you pray in tongues and in your prayer language, the love of God will flood your heart. Come on. If you don't have a prayer language, you can have one. Despite what any person is preaching and teaching on their podcast, the Holy Spirit is for all. God isn't going to give the power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life through a prayer language just to some. Amen. But I begin to think, what, what, what does it look like? We, we're going to talk about where it comes from. And let me just say, say this. Here's what I wrote down. A, the orphan spirit feels like it's a sense of abandonment. It's when you feel abandoned. What you have to be careful of, especially the richer you are with money, is those things will cover up feelings at times. That's why it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom because when I start feeling lonely and abandoned, I'll just hop on a plane because I can pay for myself to go to some island and make myself feel good. Or I can just run to the closest sin because sin is fun and pleasurable and makes you feel good. It's a lie. It's a false refuge. It's what you feel like when you go to bed and nobody's around. It's what you feel like when you look in the mirror. That feeling of abandonment at times. That feeling that I have been forgotten and nobody else is but me. It's a feeling and a sense that I am alone. And because I'm alone, doggone it, I'll just do it by myself then. I may go to church, but God don't even love me and God don't even want to do it for me. I can't even trust him. Even though I'm a Christian. What a horrible feeling. To live in the house with the father and have to lock your bedroom door. It's a feeling that I'm all by myself. It's a feeling that causes dreams to have a standstill. Especially the older you get. You can manage in your 20s because you kind of cover it up. But when your 30s and 40s and 50s come, oh God. Because no longer can I school folk on the basketball court anymore. No longer do I get my worth by how many dunks I had or how many touchdowns I scored in high school. So I've got to get it somewhere, so I even try to get it through my kids. I make him be a sports star, and if he doesn't score a touchdown, or I've got to get it through my daughter. And we're looking, and on this search, even as Christians, is this too deep for y'all today? It affects everything. It affects the sing. if you're single today. That's why 360 is so powerful. Our ministry to singles is very powerful. It's to help you understand you're not alone and we're here to help mature you and grow you. But this orphan thing affects singles. It, it affects high school students right now are going through it, even middle school. Ten-year-old kid last week hung himself. Because the students told him to. And we could sit and ignore it and have a special month dedicated to suicide prevention. And I'm not knocking that. But I feel like we need 12 months dedicated to saving lives. We not only need prevention, we need power. You cannot disciple a devil. You can soothe it by the playing of the harp. Devils can be soothed when they come to church the way they were in Saul's life when David played his harp. Devils love to hide in the closet to the right moment. How about deliverance? How about that? That's not some weird, weird. Uh, that's some, some not some white tent set up on the corner, uh, Holy Ghost Deliverance Temple tent. 
No, deliverance is real. Jesus came to set the captives free. Who the Son, we sang it this morning, who the Son sets free is free what? That last word is really big. In other words, no ifs, ands, or buts. Not halfway free. Jesus didn't do a halfway job. He even mentioned at the end, it is finished. He lets you know the job has been done. There's nothing more that has to be added. Nobody else has to shed their blood. My blood was shed and my blood is enough. Pastor, I'm alone. I feel alone. I don't tell anybody. We live in the most lonely time. People are lonely. I'll just do it by myself. My dad wasn't with me anyways. I've always done it. I am who I am today because of grit. And I thank God for grit and hustle. But the gas will run out. Because your own ingenuity is not enough. No matter how hard you work, no matter how much money you make, you can't fill the hole inside with money, with sex, drugs. You can numb it. You can get stuff. You can go on vacation and feel good for three days. But what happens when you come off of vacation? What happens when you stop drinking? Because those things are lies. And then they end up being traps and addiction comes. But pastor, I have failed. Can I tell somebody real quick, and I need some shouting when I say this, who hasn't failed? Who has not failed in this place? The key is how you view your failure. Don't waste them. Don't waste the failure. I'm proud of the things I've failed at because I wouldn't be who I am today. I'm not embarrassed of the mistakes that I've made these last 15 years of being your pastor. Do you know why? I am flesh and blood. I stink without Jesus. You stink without Jesus. Oh, you could put perfume on and cologne on and Old Spice. <laughs> Some of y'all stuck back there. Brute 33, Stetson. What's the one? Diamonds, red diamonds. What's that old? White diamonds. Now, don't get offended at me if you're wearing white diamonds today. But you might be stuck. You can perfume this and but when the sweat of life happens you're going to stink because we're all flesh and we needed God the spirit to come and not only that we need him to come and come and dwell inside of us because he's the one who makes us worthy so when you say I have failed join the crowd if we don't need Jesus, what in the world are we doing here? If we didn't need his blood for every person, if I didn't have to call upon the name of the Lord every day. I know this is a tough, tough statement, but you got to get out of your own way. You know what religion is? You in the way. Religion is you thinking I must do this to get dad's approval. The moment you change that mindset from orphan to adoption is the moment you will see miracle signs and wonders. It's the moment your job's been waiting on you to be manifested as a son. And it's the moment people start coming to you and say, I don't know what's going on with you. Whatever's different. I remember what you've walked through, but something is different about you. What is up? And you go, I've been adopted. Adopted? Yeah, I was an orphan. And somebody picked me when I was really ugly and unworthy and the worst child they could ever get in their house. Come on, what was the name of that movie with that kid? No, not Home Alone, but the other one. The devil or something. The little red-headed child that was like the devil. Problem child. Some of y'all were the problem child. You better say amen. Turn and tell somebody, some of them still are. They just become the problem adult. Somebody say, but God. The Bible says, but God so rich in mercy. 
oh my goodness, chose us, adopted us. Why we were yet sinners, he loved us and put action where his mouth was and died for us. And he chose you with your messed up self. Somebody say, I'm adopted. Say, I am a son. Now, there comes a point where you got to say that even when you don't feel it. That's the beginning, is declaring and knowing, I am. I don't quite get it because i got some toxic stuff still in me that God needs to remove. Come on, amen? An orphan thinks God won't heal me. God won't do that for me. He'll do it for them, but he'll never provide that for me. He's not for me. Like we just got through singing about it. Now, you may not say that, but it's there in that lower level of your brain. The lies of the enemy. Maybe things that have been tattooed on your brain by other people. And so we live life, even as believers, as an orphan. Not anymore. I said, not anymore. I wrote this down. It's kind of a funny statement, but orphans live with a lucky charms, rabbit's foot, publisher's clearinghouse, orphan Annie, tomorrow spirit. I see so many Christians with this. I'm going to say it again. Orphans live with a lucky charms, rabbit's foot, publisher's clearinghouse, Orphan Annie, tomorrow spirit. The sun will come out tomorrow. That's your bottom. And then tomorrow. You're only. And you live with this. It's coming. Somebody's coming to pick me up from the orphanage. Tomorrow. I know it's coming tomorrow, but then tomorrow comes. Tomorrow, same tune, same verse, same chorus. And before you know it, you're, you end up waking up going, tomorrow? Oh, God, I know you're coming tomorrow. I, I know that tomorrow I'm going to get picked up, and I know my mom and dad disappointed me, but tomorrow, can I tell you there's no tomorrow? Get rid of the tomorrow spirit. How about today? How about yesterday he's already done it? There is no crossing my fingers, hoping in God, wishing, doing the right things, believing that if I pray the right way, say the right prayers, give the right way, that God may come and show up. I'm crossing my fingers. No, by God, I'm a son. I'm not at the kid's table, the orphan's table. I'm at the big boy table. I've been invited, like Mephibosheth, to the king's table. I'm not an orphan. I'm adopted in the family of God. Why does the majority of mankind and even believers have an orphan spirit? Where did it come from? We know what happened in the garden. We know what happened in the fall, and I'm going to allude to that in a minute. But there was a book out that I was reminded of recently called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Anybody ever heard of it? Powerful book. It's a classic for marriages called The Five Love Languages. It's been out for many, many years. The book talks about that the health of our life is based upon the relationship that we had with our father and mother. That as, a, as an adult, whatever took place in our life many times, we're having the effects of it as an adult. Whether good or bad in our life. He talks about that every human being is born with a love tank in this book. A love tank. That when you're born, you're born with a love tank that must be filled. And if that love tank is not properly filled, it will expose things later in life and cause many, many problems, even in, in, a, in an adult life. Everybody say love tank. It's interesting to know, um, I have a dog named Patches. Does any, has anybody ever met Patches? There he is. He's a special little thing. We have four dogs. 
It's crazy. We inherited a couple. We've adopted. We rescued this one right here. But I began to realize this week when our guests were in town that Patches has an orphan spirit. And I've been talking to him for the last three days about it. I almost brought him to church. No joke. And let him run around during the, during the sermon. He is the sweetest little thing. But he has an orphan spirit. Now, please, some of you theologians don't come at me later on. I understand a dog doesn't have a spirit, so just let me have fun for a minute. Uh, but I am going to show you something in a minute. He has an orphan spirit. I mean, for you that know Patches, if you are beside him, and some of you have dogs like this, and you turn away from him, he will go when you stop petting him. Anybody got a dog like that? Yeah, yeah. The, you, if you show him any attention and you stop, he is a needy little thing. He will not let you alone. You turn, he will He'll end up scratching your arm. He did Lindsay last night, which sometimes when you're orphan, you end up hurting folk when you're trying to get attention. But he's sitting there this week, and Tim, and I said, Tim, it's okay. Y'all don't have to push him off the couch. And they're like, no, we love him. And we realized, because we were talking about this sermon series, I think, Tim, you're the one who said it. I think Patches has an orphan spirit. Because I had shared with him about the series and what you're like when you're an old. And I said, yes, he just longs. He can't, he can't grasp that he's loved unless you're touching him or doing something in a certain way. He can't comprehend it because we adopted him. Then I read that they did a study with dogs, puppies, when they were born. They took a huge litter of puppies. They, they split the, the litter in half. Several puppies here, because it was a large litter, and puppies here. They took them, and for six weeks, this set of puppies, they loved on, they kissed, they even spoke to the dog, the little puppies, from when they were born all the way to six weeks. The other puppies, they went and abandoned them or put them in a place where they were all alone. Nobody talked to them. Nobody petted them. Nobody did anything. All they did was give them enough food to keep them alive. After several weeks, they tested the, the puppies, and this was more than one test. The puppies that had been loved, spoken to, shown attention, affection, their blood was great. The, this litter of puppies, their, their blood was anemic. And they did this test over and over to prove that it's a fact that you are affected when you are not loved properly. Now, we're talking about dogs. What happens to a human being when they're born and their love tank is not filled properly? What happens, more importantly, is it's, you, you can mask it to your 20s, especially when you're muscular, you've got looks, or you go to the gym, and you're trying to get your worth and value by how people see you, Facebook. You know, a lot of our Instagram image is so different from our real image. It's a lie. Our Facebook image is a lie. We don't really show the real us because we're afraid to show it. Is this making sense to anybody? We are all born with a love tank that has to be filled. It must be filled or it, it, it's, it compounds throughout life. It compounds in marriages. When you look at the craziness, let's be honest, I don't like to talk about it because it gets folks in more depression that don't have a sonship you, you, uh, mindset, because if you don't have a sonship mindset, you can go into depression real easy. But you look at the craziness in the world today, the shootings, the violence, marriages, people doing crazy stuff, leaving babies in cars, killing folk, hurting folk, like things that are unmentionable, going into places and killing, all these killings, all these all these schools, I forgot six of them in the first week of school in Tuscaloosa County were threatened or, and closed down, or at least they, had, they went on security lock, whatever you call it. Six schools in Tuscaloosa, the Bible Belt. We ain't the Bible Belt. We're either the religious belt or the hell belt. Why is all this going on? Why are marriages, thank God, M3 kicked off this week? 
Our new, our new marriage ministry was on fire. If you're married or are, are engaged, you've got to come to merge ministry. Marriage ministry, it is awesome because you need, we all need help. Do you understand that? Let go of your pride. Let go of your pride. We all need somebody. We need help. It's not good for man to be alone. Killings and murders and all these things that are happening. And I'm going to tell you where it's coming from at the root of it. You would say, some would say, sin. No, it's not the branch. It's not the branch. And God bless, you know, gun control or whatever we do. That's not even the answer itself either. It's an evil spirit, an orphan spirit. It came from the garden. And this is why gangs and violence, and it's escalating and escalating. It isn't just because we have the internet now more than ever, and it, it was always there. No, sin is abounding. But thank God grace will abound more. And this is why the body of Christ cannot get caught up and get depressed with the things of the world. I don't watch the news anymore, I pray. Because I'm an emotional person. If I watch the news, I can get depressed in a minute. I keep up with national headlines for me to know how to pray because you've got to discern the times and the seasons. But other than that, I want to tell what Jesus has done. I want to save somebody from killing themselves. I want to save that husband that's about to leave his wife. I want to save that person that's about to walk into a place and shoot up. But if I'm an orphan, how can I produce sons? And what happens is orphans get mad at each other in the orphanage. They ain't coming for you. I'm first. And there's this battle for whoever can get worth and value, whether it's through money or marrying a really good-looking person or this. There's, this. there's this groping in the night, Isaiah 58, of trying to find my worth and my value. Can I tell you, Jesus paid it all. You don't have to live with emptiness. You don't have to live with depression. Can I make a statement about depression? That I have to be very careful about because depression is very real. Okay? Very real for my family, and I won't go into that. Very real for my immediate family, the things that we walk through. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week something that some folk ain't going to like. that a lot of people are calling conviction depression. A lot of people that aren't living right in the church, you're separated. You're not connected to the heart of God. And you get this feeling because you know you're in disobedience. And you're like that little child that knows I, I'm probably going to get caught. Of course, we don't understand the Father's heart about it. We run from God, not to him. And a lot of people in the body of Christ are talking about depression, 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 pill, pill, pill. There's a time and a place for that. But let me just tell you, half of it is they're in sin. I knew I would not get much amens off of that at all. Because what happens, you make it about you. I'm so depressed. I I'm going to kill myself. I, I can't make it. Nobody loves me. No. You need to live right. The wages of sin is death. Maybe there are mental things because they are very real and you need counseling or whatever. But let me just tell you, a lot of what we're walking through is because the body of Christ is trying to serve God but live in the things of the world. Tell somebody it's right and it's tight. Whoever needed that, hear that, take that. It, there's, there's this feeling of separation, and it's not depression. It's disobedience. Whenever I've been in disobedience to God, and I know that he's drawing me, and I continue to live in disobedience, I got some weird stuff going on because I know what's right. And I, I can blame it on, I'm, Christy, I'm just sad today. 
I don't like myself. Will you make me feel better? Will you kiss me and love me? You can only comfort somebody in their sin so long. There comes a time where you have to obey God. Come on. I know somebody. All right, let's move on. With Jesus loves everybody. Where's that at? Let me find it. Let me find that right here. Let me, let me get right to that good stuff. I'm not going to comfort you in your sin. That pastor's down the road. I am not going to comfort you and preach with a feather. I'm going to preach with the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to preach with God's Word because in the end, you will go, thank you, pastor, for loving me enough to tell me the truth. No wonder the world doesn't want what we have because we act just like they do as orphans. Turn and tell somebody you have a love tank. This stuff we're seeing in the church and the world is a love tank issue. It's an orphan culture that God wants to heal and bring revelation. Because the longer we keep it, it follows us into adulthood. We go from birth to elementary school to middle school to high school to college singlehood we meet somebody we get divorced we meet somebody we get divorced we meet somebody I want you to be my boyfriend I ain't marrying you because of what's happened to me the last two times. Let's just live together because I don't trust any man. I don't trust anybody. I'm speaking life. Because this love tank, when it's not filled, it leaves holes and deficiencies, deficiencies, deficiencies in our life. And we're always looking to, to fill it. And, and, and even when we come out of high school or wherever, we, we finally find that person and we fall in love. Oh, and the sky is blue. And the birds are chirping. There's love in the air. I have goosebumps. It doesn't matter that I have to work tomorrow. I stay up all night on the phone. Because I'll have plenty of energy tomorrow. Don't worry about me. Texting each other <laughs> with little emojis. Hugs and kisses. Candies. Money. He bought me a jacket. We get married. It's no longer birds, it's wolves. The emojis are now red-faced. Everything changes. But I thought this was love. No, your love tank was not filled. It was fumes. Fumes that lied to you that your love tank was being filled. It wasn't real love. Because the, those things, when we get married, if they're not healed by the Holy Spirit, they show up after the honeymoon. They show up. When our checkbook is in negative balance, they show up when stuff happens in the house. They show up when you stop telling me I'm good looking or you're beautiful. That orphan thing I thought was gone, I thought they could fix it. Mr. Wright, Mrs. Wright, I'll never have another problem. They can feel my deepest need. Everything I missed as a kid, he will feel. 
Somebody say no. Even the best husband, I'm not a perfect one, but I'm a good husband. Can Hold on a second, baby. <laughs> now, even the best husband that does his best or to love, there are things that I cannot give Christy. Some of you are divorced today or thinking about divorce because you're trying to get from a human being what you can only get from God. And until you allow that hole to be filled, you will go from relationship to relationship to relationship. She's my best friend this week, but next week, I hate her. Why? Because she did like, she's probably like you. And that's why you hate her, is you're just alike. So many of father and sons can't get along because they're just alike and they don't even know it. You have orphans raising orphans. Come on, somebody. I'm hurrying. I know what time it is. We got to get out of here. I don't want love fumes. Only God's love can fill my love tank and your love tank. Because the goosebumps will fade. Sex will fade. Notes will stop. Gifts will stop. You go from eating at Chuck's Fish to Popeye's. What happened to Chuck's? <laughs> Chick-fil-A, I'm sorry, whatever. Lord have mercy, Christian chicken. The tingles will stop, the euphoria, woo. It will stop. And things will surface. And what then happens is, do you know what they put the, 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 the worst criminals, they put them in something. Anybody know what that is? When they've committed the crime? Solitary confinement. Do you know what solitary confinement is? The worst thing in the world, the most torturing thing, is to be left alone forever. Now, some of you go like, no, I'd like that. No, you wouldn't. You're saying that because of your hurt and pain. And you're in solitary confinement because of something that happened to you. And it's doing nothing but hurt you. But they put a criminal in solitary confinement. They don't talk to him. They don't acknowledge nothing. You, you, you're, the feeling of you don't even exist. And that's what happens many times with an orphan spirit to ourselves and then we turn around and do it to others. I even know parents that do it to their kids when they do wrong. When their kids do wrong, they put them in con solitary confinement. And it's the worst type of parenting. Okay. It's true. And it's bad parenting. Well, mama did it. Yeah, look at you. It didn't work. Because that's not how you parent your kids. That's not how you love your wife, by ignoring her. And your lip is dragging behind you. Well, I ain't going to talk to them. You great big baby. Some of y'all been wanting to tell some folk anyways, but turn and tell somebody, pick somebody around you and say, you need to grow up. Now look at yourself and say, I need to grow up a whole bunch. You say, Pastor, this is strong. You see, I cannot get you into adoption till you shift from the drama triangle. As I speak today, you are living either in the drama triangle or the empowerment triangle. What are you talking about, Pastor? Everybody in this room is hearing me through two, two sets of ears, one or the other. You're either hearing me through the drama triangle where you become the victim or you're the villain or you try to be the hero for everybody and fix everybody's problems so you look better. 
And if you're sitting here as poor, pitiful me, Pastor Scott, he, he preaching the word, but I just feel so bad. He's mean. No, I'm not mean. It's called love. It's called how long will you live over here? How long will you allow people to live in your life when they've never paid rent? Because people's opinions will not pay your rent. People's opinions will not pay for what God has. You've got you've to get rid of the fear of people in your past. You've got to hang up with your past. You've got to embrace who your future is. You say, Pastor, this is strong. I'm telling you, when you shift into the right mindset of the mind of Christ, of what Christ has done for you, you won't care if anybody likes you or not. You won't look how many likes you got. Oh, I'm going to go check my post and see if a lot of people commented on it. Oh, what's wrong with my post? Must be the algorithms. Let me repost it. Something's not right about it. I don't have enough likes on it. I'm living off the likes of people. No. Jesus likes you a whole bunch. He not only likes you, he loves you. When we shift from this, we will see marriage is healthy. Friendships healthy. Kids healthy. Your spouse cannot fill your love tank fully. Your best friend cannot. And that's why you get mad when they don't. Or they show their humanity and they didn't invite you to a party and you get offended. Can I tell you the number one symptom of an orphan spirit that the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about, and I may teach on it, is offense. That when I am an orphan and people don't, I don't think people do me right, I get offended at them. And I take my ball and go home. Or I leave the marriage. Or I leave the friendship. Better yet, I'm leaving this church. Don't nobody like me. Well, you're going to get it at the next church? Because nobody wants to be your friend. Because you give off these vibes, you're not going to like me anyways. And when you give off those frequencies and vibes in your life, people, are they feel it. Oh, Lord. It, it is good. It's strong. So what's the answer? Y'all like, thank you, Jesus. Yes, that's him. In this messed up world that we live in, I'm determined never to let it get me depressed anymore. I will not let the world take up space in my mind. I will only dwell on Philippians 1, 4, what is good, what is noble, what is a good report. Think on these things. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to stop thinking on the negative. We know that Jesus, number one, his mandate was he became sin. He shed his blood and he died for us to be forgiven. Can you say amen? But a lot of people stop there. Did you know that he also came to earth to reveal the real father? But not only reveal God the father by saying, hey, no longer are y'all going to pray this way. When you pray, say our father. No longer is it me going, my father, my father. The disciples went, our father. Yes, that was the first revelation that he's not only his father, but he's your father. Not only was the mandate to show us the old, to shift from the Old Testament view of God to understanding the heart of God and the love of God through Jesus Christ. But it was also to help us understand that we're part of the family of God. You've been adopted. You've been adopted by God into the family of God. Let me make a statement, and I am hurrying, I promise. Listen to the statement, because some of you are going to make you, it's going to make you go, what? Listen. God is the creator, but not the father. God is everyone's creator, but he's not everyone's father. Heresy, I say. No, it's not. God is the creator of every human being. But at this present time, he is not everyone's father. How you know? John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. 
and the lust of your father ye will do. And he is a murderer from the beginning, and abode not the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own language, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus was saying, God may be your creator, but at this time, he may not be your father. You may not have a revelation that he is your father, and you are of your father, the devil. It's mighty quiet. You are still living under that edemic nature and not living under the new covenant. You see, only when you are born again does God become your father. Only when you are truly born again does God become your father. Why? Because of the son. Now, on my way to church today, I began to think about this. He is the father of lies. And God took me on the way to church today. He said, Scott, think about something. He said, when Satan showed up in the garter, garden his number one role was not to make them sin his number one thing that he was trying to do he was trying to separate sons from fathers the son from the father adam and eve from god and in all that he says adam and eve did did your father really say an orphan spirit will cause you to always question god it will always cause you to go, I can't trust him. I may be a Christian, but I can't trust him. Not only does Satan try to separate us from our father, that's what he's doing in today's generation. He wants children, teenagers, separated from their mom and dad. And he will build that orphan spirit where you can't trust your mom and dad. Or they'll say, I can't trust you. His role is to divide us from God. He doesn't matter how it happens, whatever sin we do. His role is to say, you can't trust God. And what did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? What did they do? They ran from the Father. This is deep stuff. This is why children run from fathers. This is why we run from God. Because if I go and tell my dad what I did... He'll kill me. And I'm like, no, I won't. I hope my kids can come and tell me anything. And I won't go off the wall. But the devil, his job is to make you believe you can't go to dad. You can't go to your father. You can't go to your father. You must run from God when God is waiting with open arms for every one of us. Can you say amen? So not only is part of Jesus' mandate to reveal the Father, but to also reveal the Father's name. John 17, Jesus is praying and he says this. I have, watch this, Jesus says this, and we're, we're, we're ending. He says, I have manifested what? He's talking to God, his Father, and he's saying what? I have manifested your name to who? I've done my job. What was his job? Jesus' role was to manifest the Father's name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. He goes on in verse 26. Watch. I have made known to them your what? And I will continue to make it that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus was praying to the Father right here. He was having a discussion with Father God, and he says, God, Father, Dad, I have manifested your name to the people. I've made your name. What name? What in the world is he talking about? They already know the names of God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi. They already know all these names. What name is he saying, I have now revealed in the New Testament to everybody? The Father. I have made it known that you are their father. Come on. I've made it known to everybody. He's your dad. 
Jesus was saying to his father, I've let them know that you are their father. But pastor, this sounds great, but I can't grasp it. That's an orphan spirit. That's the lies of the enemy telling you that you're not good enough. And then when you get that spirit, you get funky. Come on. You act strange. One minute you're happy, the next minute you're sad. Because you don't know if people like you, if God likes you, if anybody likes you. They didn't give me a solo in the choir. They picked them at work over me. And we live with this orphan spirit when we don't know that God is your daddy. Turn and ask somebody, who's your daddy? Jesus said, I've, I've done my job. My job was I have manifested your name. I've made evident to everybody who you are, that you are God the Father. You are their father. Jesus shows up to Paul, knocks him off his horse, Saul. He becomes Paul, the apostle. He gets blinded by the light on the horse. And Jesus shows up and shares the gospel with him. And Paul makes this statement in Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The Son had to reveal the Father. That's why you can't be born again through no other name in heaven and earth but Jesus. John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not Buddha, because he wasn't his son. Not Muhammad, he wasn't his son. Not Hare Krishna, he wasn't his son. Only the son, only a son can reveal his daddy's name. Only Jesus can reveal his father's name and give us not only his name, but the name of his father. This is why I, 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 I don't like religion. I'm done. Guys, you can come. I don't like religion. What do you mean, Pastor? Thou, O great, awesome God, in heaven and earth. Stop it. Stop it. You pray Old Testament. He's not all, he is a great and mighty God, but he's my father. I don't pray like that. Now, he's bad to the bone. He will, he'll kick tail. He will change any atmosphere because he's my dad. So many people say he's him as God. Can you put an echo on that? God. No, he's my dad. When I'm having a really bad day, when I'm having a bad moment, when I want to give up, when I don't want to go on, when life is coming at me, when I don't know what to do as a parent, when I don't know what to do in the situation, I don't just call on some God. I call on my Father. There's a big difference. And I know some of you are like, I can't compute. I know. It's orphan. You have a Father because you always relate God the Father to your dad, your, your father that was on earth, whether you had him or not, he treated you bad or whatever. But can I tell you, you have a father that so loves you. You have been adopted. Again, Ephesians says, whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Who's born again in here? Who's born again? Talking to believers. Me too. Thank God for it. Born, born into what? Born into what? We used to sing a song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Anybody remember that old one? That may have been a white church thing. I'm not sure. I sang that growing up in our all-white church in South Alabama. I've been washed in the blood, cleansed by his blood, join heirs with Jesus. But I used to sing that, and, and I was writing this sermon. God brought that song as a little boy to me. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I know you remember, Deborah. You're a part of the family of God. Why? Jesus. You've been adopted. Why? Jesus. You don't have to live with an orphan mindset. 
Jesus. You don't have to sit around and sing, tomorrow, tomorrow. I know God's going to show up tomorrow. I know my dad never did, but I know God. And then he doesn't, he doesn't do exactly what you want. You're like, well, well he doesn't love me. No, you, when you live as an orphan, you don't know what belongs to you. You didn't realize the door of the orphanage has been open for a long time. And that God has adopted you. You're His. See, some of you need to release your parents. You need to release your parents. Because when your parents had you, they weren't ready for you. Some of you were raised by parents that do love you. But they weren't ready when you came to this earth. They didn't know how to raise you. They were still caught up in themselves. They didn't know how to love you and fill your love tank. Now you can either get mad at them and hate them and hold it against them. Or you can release them and receive your adoption papers. That you've been adopted Release your parents. I hear God saying, release your parents that hurt you. Some of them are even dead now, but they're still alive in your mind. Release them. They did what they knew to do. Things had them bound. And you need to understand, but look at you sitting here on a Sunday. How can you get mad at them when grace has been shown to you? How can you hold a grudge against your parents when they didn't have what you're doing today? They tried to raise you the best way they knew how. They may have even given you up for adoption. She may have given you up. Let them go. Thank God His love reached out to you and that you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning and you're able to say, I thank you, God, because I don't deserve adoption. But you adopted me. I am a problem child without Jesus. Release your parents. Release the hurt. Release the orphan spirit. And receive the spirit of adoption. Would, would you stand?